Father's Day story. The little boy, apparently, who went up to his dad, the little boy went up to his dad and said, Dad, Dad, I've worked out what the Bible is for. I've worked out what the Bible means. And his, his dad said, oh, that's, that's amazing. What, what, do you, what do you think it means? He said, I think it means basic information before leaving earth. Basic information before leaving earth. That's a pretty good introduction, isn't it, to, uh, to what we're doing tonight. So we're in a series, if you've been with us, we're, we're going through the Gospel of Mark. So um, Mark, one of the four uh, Gospel writers, four writers who uh, talk us through Jesus' story and, and they help us to walk with Jesus, which is, which is what this faith stuff is, is all about. And we're, we're going through and, and we've been on a little bit of a journey so we were set up a few weeks ago because Mark gets straight in. Mark jumps straight in out of, out of the four gospel writers. And we were set up. Gareth was helping us to understand how Mark says this is the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ. So we were right there that there's something powerful going on. There's good news. And then we, we uh, in just the first 15 verses of chapter 1 of Mark, um, Mark basically sets up the whole scene how Jesus comes and he's the fulfillment of everything that God has been promising through the Old Testament. Uh, I know there's many of us who struggle to, to read bits of the Old Testament and to make sense of the first part of our Bibles, but we make sense of the first part of our Bibles by looking through the lens of Jesus. If we look through Jesus, he helps us to make sense of the first part of our Bibles and, and, and that helps us to understand how Jesus coming, as Mark says, was the fulfillment, was, the, was the, the coming into being of God's perfect plan for the world. And then we, we saw how Jesus was tempted in the desert, how um, Mark wanted to say, you guys, absolutely, Jesus understands, understands perfectly what it's like to be, to be human. You know, sadly, when those lovely Jehovah's Witnesses come knocking on your door or those lovely young men wearing ties and shirts, those lovely Mormon men, and they ask you to call them elder so that you'll imagine that they know more than you do, sadly, they're so well-intentioned. And I, I love their heart. I wish we shared some of their heart to, to go and share a message. It's just such a shame that they're sharing a message that was made up by some men who wanted, who wanted the glory, wanted the attention for themselves. And so they've kind of tried to turn Jesus into something that Jesus is not. Mark has already told us as we've, as we've walked with him that Jesus is nothing less than God in human form. He's fully God and he's fully human. And because he's fully human, he, he understands, he knows what it's like to live. You know, he's not some impossible ideal, some, some perfect being made by God to be a, to be a, a, a sacrifice for, for us in that kind of way of thinking. He's God in human form walking 
amongst us and we've started walking and we're, we're walking through this amazing, amazing gospel. And we're, and we're doing it because as a church family in our story, we're thinking about our, our why and there's a, a slide that just puts those words up on the, up on the screen. Thanks, Dave. So our, our why we're here and if any of you know your Bibles, you'll know at the end of one of the um, uh, accounts of Jesus' life written by a guy called Matthew, there's a thing called the Great Commission where Jesus sends the disciples and every church his mission statement is basically a way in a sense of trying to, to say that. So we're committed here to, to making committed followers of Jesus who change communities and change nations. And we're, we're walking with Mark to see what that, that looks like. That's our why. That's, that's enduring. That's our ongoing mission purpose. And as we, as we explore our, our why, we're looking at our what. So what does the, the next bit of the journey look like? That's our vision, our picture for the next part of our life together. And again, Dav, we can stick the next slide up. Uh, third one, I think, or fourth one. It, it, there it is, great. A church family that's passionately positioning itself before God. If, if, if Jesus is God, we, we come to him as we've sung, and he wants, he wants passion from us. He wants, uh, you know, he wants that kind of World Cup passion, if that's your thing, or Wimbledon or whatever you're into. Uh, but whatever, he wants all of us. And I love that, that Holly said, you know, as, as was shared last week by Keris in the baptism, you know, I want to be all in. And we want to be passionate about coming before God, because it starts there, it starts coming before God, how we position ourselves before him. And then, and then secondly, you can see the next bit, we, we want to willingly partner. We love the fact that God has called us together, and uh, we know that we're, we're fully alive to the truth, that in a large church, when you stick a few people up on a, a bit of a raised platform, it's easy to think Somehow, it's easy to get into a kind of arrangement where I pretend that I can do everything and you pretend that I and other people in the leadership here can do it. But that's not God's way. That's not God's way. God's called us together into partnership. And so where every single one of us matters, I hope you know how much God loves you. God loves you perfectly. That's the whole point about Jesus coming to earth and dying on, on the earth, dying on the cross, and then rising again for each one of us before, before we were even born, before we were the twinkle in any father's eye. Jesus has already done that. If you're here tonight and you, you just in any sense don't realize the love of God for you, please would you let yourself know that he died for you because of love. And then I hope you know how important you are to everything he wants to do. No one else can be you. No one else can have your character, your personality, your story. No one else can have exactly your family relationships, good, bad, indifferent, whatever. No one else can have exactly your neighbours. No one else can have your school colleagues, uh, college you know, colleagues, work colleagues. No one else can walk exactly the same walk that you're going to walk tomorrow. And you are perfectly, perfectly shaped to be you and God 
wants every single one of us. There are no passengers. There are no afterthoughts. There are no, there's no one here who doesn't matter absolutely intrinsically to God's mission, God's purposes. I hope you know that. I hope you know that we all need you. You might not feel that very often, perhaps, but that's the truth. I sometimes say this and I say it because I believe it. I sometimes say if you're here tonight and you're here just by your, your fingernails to be here, you know, you're kind of, there's so much stuff going on in your life. There's so much rubbish. There's so many ways perhaps that you, you maybe almost wonder if God has let you down or you certainly feel that other people have let you down. If, you, if you're here and you're struggling with an illness, you've got cancer going on in your family or even, even in your body right this second and you are here just Kind of you've had to drag yourself to be here because sometimes coming to church can be the hardest, most difficult thing. Then you are the best of us because you show us what faith really looks like. If you are here racked by doubt, you are the best of us because you show us what it's like to still take the risk, to still say, yes, I'm going I'm to do it again. God loves you. God wants all of you. We need all of you. And then our third bit in that, in that what statement is about planting because when, when we know how much God loves us, when we know the truth that God wants us and, God, and we need each other as the people of God, when we know that nobody else can be us, when we let God give us power and fill us up, then we plant new life. We plant the things of the kingdom of God and we were looking at that over the last few weeks. The kingdom of God, when God is in his right place in someone's life, when God is ruling, when God is reigning when God is God. He's not just applying for the job. He's God on a Sunday and Monday to Saturday. He's God of everything. When his kingdom comes in somebody's life, then you spill over and you plant new things quite naturally. But I wonder if all of that feels a bit like this. Can we show the video? You need to see that again, yeah? Can we can, can we can we do that, Taff? Am I, I going to break the system? Here you go. This is me. I talked last week in the morning about windsurfing, and uh, this is me when I was a bit younger.
Isn't that awesome? Wow. Hey, friends, I wonder, I wonder if you've heard me talk about God's love and you've heard other people talk about God's love. I, I wonder if you've heard me talk about you being perfectly shaped to be you and how much we need, we need everyone. And you've heard other people talk about that. I wonder if you've heard people talk about, about planting new stuff, about new life, about being involved in God's mission. And you've heard plenty of other people talk about that. And what you end up feeling is, is not actually a great sense of joy and freedom and liberation, which is, which is the intention. That's why Mark's telling his story. That's why we're, we're walking with him. He says it's the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not the slightly hard and difficult news of Jesus Christ. It's not the lay pressure on you good news of Jesus Christ. It's not the weigh you down with expectations that you'll never match news of Jesus Christ. It's just the good news of Jesus Christ. But you hear what I've said and you just feel... You just feel I'm not up to it. You know, maybe what Andrew said about that love thing doesn't just quite apply to me. Maybe you feel it's a, a bit like that. It's that hard. You know, it's kind of that difficult a target to hit. Well, can I, can I just really encourage you with this thought or challenge you with this thought or irritate you with this thought or, or provoke you with this thought. Can I just say, if that's how you're thinking, then you are calculating without the king. You are calculating without the king. Last week, I was talking about obedience. I was talking about Jesus sending the 12 disciples out. Mark talks about that at the beginning of, of chapter 6 of, of Mark. And he sends them out and he says, and there's just a slide to capture the, the, the bullet points of what I said. Dav, if we've got that up there, please, that would be great. Should be coming up. Oh, no, it's after the reading, isn't it? I'm so sorry. Do you want to just stick it up there? It's after the reading. Go through, flick through a few slides and you'll find it, I hope. Great. He's good, isn't he? He's really good. He's keeping up. It's brilliant. And I, what I said was that, you know, um, we're sent. We're to do it together. We're to rely on God. We're to be focused on his mission, not our comfort. If you know the story Jesus says to the 12, don't move around from house to house trying to get better hospitality. We're to do the things that Jesus did and we're to gather and keep close to Jesus. But you know what? The 12 all did that and then they were shattered. They felt maybe it was a bit like that trying to get into a pond. Let's put the, put the reading up. We're going to read through. It's from Mark 6, if you want to switch on verse, verse 30. But here's a story to provoke and encourage and everything else, I, I really hope. We're going to read it through, and then I'm going to give you a minute or two to turn to your neighbour and tell your neighbour, if you were doing the talk tonight, what would you say? 
And you don't need to worry about this if you're new or with us. I'm only going to get about six or seven people to come up onto the platform and share their talks in a moment or two. So no pressure whatsoever. I promise you I won't do that. But I'd love you to do it. Would you mind doing that? After we've read it through, just turn to your neighbour. You've heard in some ways what I wanted to hit with tonight already. So what would you say about this passage. Let, let's stick it up on, on there and we'll, uh, and we'll follow through. And uh, you can you know, maybe just mumble the words yourself. It's quite helpful just to read along. We're in the, in the version of the Bible, the New International Version of the Bible is the one up on the screen. So we'll, we'll go through together and you can mumble along. So the apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they'd done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving. And people from many towns towns, ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of time, ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, You feed them. With what? They asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. How much bread do you have, he asked. Go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterwards, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. A total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. What would you say if you were me? Turn to a neighbour. If you're on your own, be brave. Find someone just to say to. Don't leave anyone hanging. It's embarrassing. Just, you know, move. If you have the ability to move, then just move and say hi to someone. What would you say?
you know. Okay. Can I just say those, those talks were nearly as long as mine. So for the guys watching on video, uh, I'm just going to give a, a, a segue back in because they'll cut that bit out. And so let's do it. Yes, you're absolutely right. I am right about that. Yeah, thank you. So there you go. If you're joining us back on the video, basically just everyone agreed. No. So here's the deal. So they're shattered. I mean, these disciples have been doing ministry and they're absolutely knackered. I've got a picture that was taken of them going, going out. There's a cartoon picture of them going out. Two guys at a door. No, it's not that one. It's earlier. Sorry, Daph. Try and keep up with the notes I haven't given you. So two guys at the door saying, have you found Jesus? Can you see where Jesus is? Yeah, good. Okay. They've been doing the stuff. They've been doing the stuff. And they're absolutely... He's behind the curtain. They're... Have you... You know, they're shattered. They're absolutely shattered. Jesus sees that and Jesus knows the reality of, of how they're feeling. They, um, uh, verse 30 of chapter 6 relates... Back to the first bit of, of chapter 6 where Jesus sends them out, the 12, two by two, to go around. And they've, they've healed the sick and they've cast out demons, they've cast out evil. And Jesus sees them shattered and he can see that. And so he says to them, okay, let's give you a break, let's give you a rest. Straight away you're getting that really personal sense that Mark wants to convey, that all of the Bible wants to, to convey about Jesus knowing our needs. So he takes them out onto a lake. You know that most of the disciples, I'm guessing, were fishermen. So just imagine the relief. Okay, any introverts here? You know, imagine the relief of you go back to your own cave, your own bedroom. I can say that because my lovely daughter is one. You know, you've been out, they go on the lake. I'm an extrovert, by the way, you hadn't noticed. It's peaceful. Just the sound of the water, the boat. Jesus knows exactly what they need. All disciples need to take time out. All disciples need time of refreshment. You see, this was familiar territory, the lake for them. Safe place. Place of restoration. But you see, the lake's not that big at this point. So the crowd are clever. The crowd are smart. The crowd are, are hungry. We're going to hear that in a moment. 
And so what they do is the crowd go off around the edge of the lake quickly. They have not yet had enough of Jesus, you know, in any way. They want more of Jesus. At the moment, they're basically consuming Jesus, though. They're not really following Jesus at this point. They want more miracles. They want more healings. They want more of the stuff. They're scratching their heads trying to work out who this Jesus is. They want Jesus really to do some stuff for them without them having to be all in. And that's an easy place for us all to be in. So they scoot round the edge of the lake and they get ahead of Jesus and the disciples as they come across the, the, in the boat. And you can imagine the reaction of the disciples when they see this crowd. They just thought they'd got away and there's this great crowd ahead of them. But that's not Jesus. Verse 34 of of the passage, he's moved by compassion for the crowd. And he was fully human, so he was tired. He was shattered as well. He needed time out as well, but he is moved by compassion. The needs of this crowd are so great. And the word compassion in the Bible, it literally speaks of a a movement of of the guts, of the bowels, uh, right deep within it. It conveys sympathy. It conveys empathy. In the Bible, compassion is when someone else's heartbreak or need becomes your heartbreak or need. See, Jesus does that perfectly. We, we do that imperfectly, but Jesus perfectly. Can you imagine that? Looking out across a crowd of people and every one of their stories becomes for a moment you, your story. Wow. Wow. And so it leads them into action because now you can show the picture, Daph, taken in Wales by you only a little while ago. The sheep are without a shepherd. And that's a, that's a phrase, an expression that the Bible uses at this point. Mark uses at this point to, to give us a sense of how this crowd of people fit into the whole of the Bible story, the Old Testament bit of the Bible. Because the people who should have been shepherding, it's a common image for the leaders, the religious leaders of the day, the people who should have been nourishing, taking the sheep to the good grass, looking after them and guarding them, have not been doing their job. The sheep are without a shepherd. They're wandering. They're aimless. They're in danger. They lack purpose. If any of you feel like that right now, aimless, wandering, lacking in purpose, like a sheep without a shepherd then you know what I'm going to say. Because Jesus is already saying it to you. He's the shepherd. And then he feeds them spiritually. He, do you notice that? He teaches them. Because their greatest need, just like our greatest need, is for wisdom to do life. Wisdom to do life. You know, perhaps like us, They had loads of knowledge that they could access really easily, but they didn't have the wisdom for life. To be fed and nourished, to be the complete people that they were called to be. So he feeds them and then he makes practical provision for them. Put the picture up, Dav. Jesus feeds the sheep. 
And it is always both, isn't it? It's always both, actually, being a Christian follower. We feed people with spiritual truth. And we also feed them practically. Jesus says, Mark, this guy Jesus is the fulfillment of all the promises of the Old Testament. And here you're seeing it before your very eyes, where the Old Testament writers spoke about God's shepherding and God's care being perfect compared to the shepherding and the care of the religious leaders of your day. Here he is, perfectly providing. But you see, how does he do it? Did you notice how he did it? Did you, did you notice this when you were talking for you, through with each other? Because, because verse 35, the disciples do an accurate calculation of the situation from a human perspective. They come late in the day to Jesus. They're irritated. They're tired. They probably just want the crowd to go away. But they say to him, look, it's late. These people need food. Send them away to get, to get some food. They can't contain their irritation any longer. And Jesus says, you feed them. And they go, what? What? It would take a month's wages to feed these crowd, this crowd, even if we could access the shops, even if we could access the food, Jesus. Their calculation was completely accurate in human terms. But you know what I'm going to say, don't you? They were calculating without the king. And Mark, you see, sets this scene out as a, as a, as a story with a bigger truth about how Jesus fits in to God's salvation plan for the world. And it's no accident that it's bread on a hillside because that links to Old Testament stories about God providing bread for his people on a hillside. It's of course going to be no accident and you made the resonance, you've already made the connection that Jesus was going to do a communion kind of thing, a last supper kind of thing. He was going to lift up the bread and he was going to break it and he was going to share it out. There's no accident in the anticipation that Mark is wanting to give to the end of the story, to the cross. It does have all of those big resonances, this story, but it's also deeply personal because God says you you do the stuff you feed them and we, we make a human calculation maybe at that point it's an impossible task but we're calculating without the king. When people come to the front of this church, and it's not because it's magic, it's just because we can, we can have a sense of, of, of intentionality about it. When people come to the front of this church and they, they say that they've got something that needs healing physically, we have a choice at that point. 
We can do a lovely Christian intercessory kind of prayer. We can put our hand on the back of that person and we can say, God, we really hope that you'll help um, Alex or, you know, whoever it is. We really pray you'll help them to get through this. Or we can put our hand on their back and we can say, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. Now, you see, the first one is a reasonable calculation. It's a kind of expression of faith. Of course it is. But the second one, to actually pray, in the name of Jesus Christ, be healed. In the name of Jesus Christ, be released from that. In the name of Jesus Christ, answer that need for, for, for whatever it might be. That is a kingdom calculation. And it's bananas, it's nuts, it's foolishness, to use the Bible word. It's a stumbling block, just like the cross of Jesus Christ for most of the world. But in the economy of the kingdom, it makes sense. It works. In the economy of the kingdom, it is true that God loves you perfectly. In the economy of the kingdom, it is true that you are perfectly shaped to serve God. In the economy of the kingdom, it is true that you can plant new life wherever you are, wherever you're going to be tomorrow. In the economy of the kingdom, it is true that the same power Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. The same power that caused Jesus to rise from the dead now belongs to you, is now in you through the Holy Spirit. What do they have to do? Well, the first thing is they have to be obedient. How many fish are there, Jesus says? How many loaves are there, says Jesus? Dunno. Go. Go and find out. Second thing that they do is they have to organise the people to sit in 50 and 100. Now, that's a big deal. That's a a resonance, by the way, again, with the Old Testament story. Moses organized the people into 50 and hundreds. But of course, it's a big deal because it's expectancy that something will happen. If you're just going to stand in the middle of the crowd and pray, please, God, if it's your will, would you just provide a bit of food? Let's hope we don't feel quite so hungry in a moment. Low-level prayer. If you get all those people, 5,000 men, plus the women, plus the children, plus, 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 granny as well, and Auntie Mary as well. And if you say, sit down at the picnic table, ready to receive the meal, it's coming any moment now, that is faith. That is foolishness in the eyes of the world. That is setting yourself up to be exposed as foolish. But they do it. They have seen enough. They have experienced enough of the power of God to do it. They're obedient. And then they they give what they have. Do you notice that? They give what they have. 
They give the loaves. They give the fish. It's all they've got in their hands, but they give it to Jesus. Did you notice that? They're obedient. They give what they have. And then he takes it. And in his hands, it is more than enough. And our God, who is so outrageous that he put numerous more stars into the galaxy than ever were required. Our God, who is so outrageous that he paints creation with all the beautiful colours that he does. Our God provides more than they need. There's an abundance, there's an overabundance of food. It's not just enough. They, each of the disciples, the significance in this as well, you might not have realised. Each of them, there are 12 baskets, 12 disciples. Each of them can fill a basket to enough. They each witness personally the overabundance of God. See, that's how God works. He'll do miracles through you. He'll do bananas feeding of, of, of people through you. And then he'll fill your basket to overabundance as well. And he will show you and prove to you that he is God. And in the economy of the kingdom, in the calculations of the king. Small, tiny, becomes massive and powerful when people exercise faith and they give what they have. You may also know, some of you, that it's very probable or possible that Mark had in his mind 12 baskets, 12 tribes of Israel. And God's abundant provision for his people. God loves you. God's calling you. We need you to say yes. God wants to plant the most amazing things through each of us. I'm guessing the team that did that stunt and it was a team. Did you notice that? I'm guessing they did quite a lot of calculation. I'm, I'm guessing that they were really, really in it together. I'm guessing that they brought all of their gifts to bear. I'm guessing that they didn't just say to that mad guy, just you go off on your own, take a video and show us afterwards. Yes, of course, there was the faith for him to actually let go and go for it to trust in the calculations. But he did do it together with others. And that's the deal for us. If you're able to, would you like to stand? So... 
we've got a bit of time together just to see what God wants to, wants to say to each one of us personally. We don't, um, summer nights is quite a long way off yet in terms of time. So why don't you just maybe, if it'll help you to, to focus, why don't you maybe just close your eyes and just let God take you through some pictures in your, in your mind. I'm inviting Holy Spirit, would you, would you come and would you just bring some pictures in, into our minds? It may be something familiar for you, it may not be familiar, but... I'm wondering if God would, Holy Spirit, would just bring some pictures of situations, some people. Uh, in fact, anything where at the moment the calculation, it feels like it doesn't add up. Anything where you can't imagine. It might even just be a picture of yourself because you can't imagine how much God loves you. You know, it might, it might even be, and I know this is sharp and graphic, but it might even be a, an x-ray picture. And the calculation on earth is not good. But here you are with me, daring to hope and believe that there's a different calculation. It's the calculation of the kingdom. It's a calculation with the power of God. And whether you're talking about a pile of financial debts or you're talking about a, a guilt that you've carried or you're talking about a part of your body that needs healing or you're talking about a broken relationship or you're talking about the desire to find purpose in your life, whatever it is, and right this second, a human calculation doesn't look great. I'm asking Holy Spirit, please would you come? And would you, the power of Jesus Christ, the power to multiply beyond our imagination, the power to heal, the power to release and set free. The power of the kingdom of God. Would you come? Would you come? If you're praying for someone else, then the, the motivation has to be love. The heart has to be moved by compassion. And the purpose of this is to join in the mission of God, not, not to seek our own comforts, but to seek the mission of God. So maybe the picture is about a call on your life, a call on your future that could look like foolishness to others. But it's the call of the king. And it's the calculation of the king that makes it possible.
Holy Spirit, please come. Please come. Thank you, Jesus. 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 What does it look like? What does it look like through God's eyes? What's the picture with God? What do you have in your own hand that you can, you can give? It seems completely inadequate. And maybe you've even been holding on to that little bit because you've thought to yourself, I've got to at least hold on to that. Well, what happens if you say, God, I give even that little bit to you? I give away to you what I have. I'm just wondering if um, anyone has a picture that they might be, they might feel is for, is for someone else. If we can just try and stay prayerfully and I know that's hard in some ways but let's start anyone got a picture that they could share that might be might be for someone else be brave and come thanks Hudson I have a sense there's one or two God wants to use us to to bless each other Hudson Uh, so yeah during worship I had a picture of um Jesus' throne, but it was empty, and it's the, it was just that God's not on his throne ready to judge you. He's out in the field partnering with us, and like, yeah, like we're not out here alone trying to please him, but we're partnering with him and just working with him. Thank you. Any other pictures that people think might, might speak for someone? Holy Spirit, would you come and Would you give pictures to people to share if that's going to be helpful? So what we'll do is let's pray for a few people. I'm going to invite you uh, just to come and do something brave, to step out. If you just want to have that sense of all in for God, you want to have a sense of 
saying, I'm, I'm not going to calculate just by the ways of the world. I want to calculate by the ways of the king and the kingdom. Whatever that means for you in any situation in your life. Just invite you just to come just to the front so we can just pray with you tonight. Please just come. That's great. Thank you. Just you, you want to say, I want to calculate with the king. I want to do a kingdom thing. That's great. Could some, one or two people just come and pray? Those who are coming, that's great. Thank you. There's more coming. That's great. Thank you. Bless you. So any of our church family, if you're going to come and pray, what you do is you just wait a moment. You come and you pray for someone. You put a hand gently on their shoulder and you just ask God to bless you with knowing what he's doing because your purpose in praying is to join in with God. The person may want to tell you why they're coming forward for prayer. They may not. But you look for what God is doing. They need God's, God's prayer, not ours tonight. So we need a few more, two more women, please. Thank you. And another woman to my left, just over here on the right. Thank you to pray. Two, actually, please. So do keep coming forward if you want prayer. You know this is a moment to say, I'm going to calculate God's kingdom way. Step of faith. Step of trust. Can we have two more women or, or anyone involved in our leadership? Just come and a couple of people to pray down here to my left. Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. God, we want to join in with whatever you're doing. Holy Spirit, would you come and do your work in those who come forward for prayer? We declare the love of God. The love of God over you. The perfect love of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Could do with about another four people to come and pray. They are women, but... Um, and we've got a man as well over here to my left. If there's anyone else who... You just have to love the Lord Jesus. It's not how much faith you've got. That'd be great. Thank you. Thank you. When you're praying with someone, all you need to do is the most powerful thing of all, which is to ask God what he wants and to join in. And if you don't exactly know what God is saying, just say more of you, God, more of you.
uh, just a picture that might help somebody. I had a picture when we were talking and it's in a cornfield that the corn's fully grown and if you rely on yourself you look all around you and the corn is fully grown but if you're lost in the wilderness and you look up to the sun that will always point you north and I think there's people in this room that are in this cornfield and all the corn is overgrown and you're trying to find your own way out if you look up to the sun if you look up to your father he will give you directions to get out mm. you cannot get out of this corn on your own you need to seek God thank you mm. thank you so you have a sense you've been trying to get out of your situation by yourself and God wants to, God speaking to you directly there to say, trust in him. We declare the economy of the kingdom. King Jesus, the power of King Jesus in the name of Jesus over lives and into lives to transform situations. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.